Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We focus on the Latinx presence in the comic industry, with a special focus on strong female characters and creators. Hello, everybody. This is episode 17. How are you guys doing? Episode 17. That's amazing. Yes. I'm doing great. Yay. We're still going strong, you guys. Yes. And today is July 17th. Oh my god, we should play the lottery. Episode 17. That's it. Yes, for oh the lottery. God. There you go. There you go, guys. That's all there is to it. Um, so, um, what's the achievement this de la semana? Yes, what is it? Jen, what is your achievement? Well, my achievement this week is actually, it was just released on the 16th. The new doctor is going to be Jodie Whittaker, the first female doctor in the 50-year history of Doctor Who. I think that's amazing. That is amazing. I am not a Whovian. I'm sorry. Please do not send me hate mail. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't have uh, cable. But um, I did not know until I saw all the, um, the news going around that uh, a, that it had been around for 50 years, <laughs> and B, that there had never been a female doctor. Yeah. This is going to be the first female doctor again. The doctor has certainly had a lot of female companions, mm-hmm. uh, all the way up into including the first doctor, whose uh, first companion had been a librarian ah. and his granddaughter. I saw mm-hmm. that. Okay. I, yeah, I started that watching that one on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it was so crazy, far out there, weird, that mm-hmm. I was like, like, why are people watching this and why are they liking this? And so many people told me I started in the wrong place, but I'm <laughs> such a, a I'm such a person with FOMO and like I, I have to like complete from beginning to end. So mm-hmm. if I ever ever go back, I will go back to that one again. <laughs> <laughs> so that one is actually called Classic Who. Okay. And that's what they call it because it's the classic Doctor Who. Right. Um but the new Doctor Who that started around two thousand five, I believe. Um, that one was, it started off with the ninth Doctor, but it was basically retelling, like, him fresh off his war with the Time Lords and all that stuff. Okay. Um, I know a lot, not a lot, but I, I was a Whovian for a brief while, and then I kind of fell off around midway through the 11th Doctor, uh, because of many reasons, but, (laughs) 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 but mostly was that I did not like the writing style Mm. for it, and I didn't like the stories that were being told, Mm -hmm. and every, I've caught a few episodes every once in a while if it's piqued my interest enough, but after this news, I'm definitely going back, I'm definitely, I want to see, um, what's in store, who's, like, um, uh, like, what they're gonna do, because they're getting, one, a new director, Oh, uh, okay. Stephen yeah. Moffat is now, well, he, I believe he's still associated with it, he's gonna be writing episodes here and there, but there's a new director and writer, right, basically writing crew, so that's gonna be exciting, um, uh, a little bit of news about Jodie Whittaker. Uh, she is an English actress. She first came to prominence uh, for her 2006 feature film debut, Venus. And she has been in some major, like, kind of cult um, uh, films. Well, not cult films because she was 
nominated for some of them, but she was in Attack the Block with John Boyega. Yes! Wow. Which, yes. yeah. And I've been, and uh, Attack the Block is so good. I, I like, love Attack the Block. Yeah. Actually, I watched Attack the Block at San Diego Comic-Con um, during the, they, they premiered it there, and we oh got tickets to go watch it. We had no idea what we were going to watch. That's what uh-huh. we watched. They gave out t-shirts, and um, oh my, my mom wears her Attack the Block shirt because I gave it to her. <laughs> and in the, um, in the uh, what do you call it, the theater, in the uh-huh. um, lobby area, that is where I met um, the, uh, what's his name, the actor who plays... Um, uh, Daryl? Daryl. Yeah. Oh, Walking Dead. That's where you saw <laughs> That's him? where I met him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your picture uh-huh. and I'm just like, oh, jealous. That's <laughs> oh, so cool. But, oh, my God. But, yeah, then that's what I know her for. And I, for some reason, it didn't click to me, but she's also been in Black Mirror, which is um, a, oh. a Netflix series that mm-hmm. is super I love cool. it so much. It's awesome. My little brother actually watched it before I did, and he was just like, you need to watch this because it's going to be your thing. And I'm just I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And, oh, my God, there you are. And amazing. my husband has said the my, same thing. My only yeah. complaint is that they, they don't have that many episodes. Mm. Like, yeah. I would expect it to have, like, at least ten but uh-huh. I think it ends up having like five per yeah, season. Yeah, something like that. Oh, that's that. it? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're pretty long. They're yeah. basically almost like movie length. Okay. Yeah. And so they're they're pretty good. But um, Black Mirror is great. And but she, I personally have never watched Broadchurch, but she plays a character of prominence in um uh, Broadchurch. And um uh, she's worked with the new director before. I believe their name is. Well, their last name is Chibnall. I don't know if I'm saying Chris Chris Chibnall. I don't. I still don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, who directed the Broadchurch episodes? So I've heard good things about it, and I know um, uh, the guy who used to play the tenth Doctor. Oh, what's his name? I used to be in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, 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 have, I can't I've believe I just blanked out. <laughs> like his, um, uh, he, he was. He was David Tennant. Oh, okay, he, he yeah. He played um, um, the Purple Man in um, uh, Just Oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, the yeah, Purple yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. He was really good. Yeah. And so, that yeah, that's um, uh, so th- that's also what she's known for. And uh, she's got a very good repertoire. She uh, she was, uh, graduated from the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And she has basically been active since 2005 as a... Um, uh, as an actress, so she's got a good pedigree, and she's done a lot of st- stuff, and she's won um, uh, um, uh, a British Independent Film Award. So Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's, I can't wait to see what she has, oh, despite I'm what all the people on the internet say. I am super excited to see uh, how the fans of Who... Uh, who Doctor Who <laughs> uh, warm up to her and um and how because I mean that is a very dedicated uh, fan base for sure so um, I love that they made uh, the Doctor a woman mm-hmm. even though I don't know anything about Doctor Who I know the, the lingo that I hear people saying um, and I think that it's a a huge 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 uh, opportunity for her. Um, and also, uh, I think, a big weight, too, on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're going to really come down on her. Oh, yeah. It's uh, uh, The fans are... They're definitely going to be critical. Critical, yeah, right. Absolutely. Very yeah. critical. Yeah. And, but you know what? Fuck that. Like, I'm going... 
I'm I'm gonna watch this and I'm gonna treat it the same way I have treated all the others and that's with like a deep love and respect for this show. Mm -hmm. Except um uh, for that brief period of time where I didn't watch it because I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) That is like your soundbite. I love it. I know. (laughs) I know it's for her (laughs) specifically for me. (laughs) I'm just gonna Um, call it Jen. That's (laughs) (laughs) it. Well, this is Kristen and my cheese de la semana is pretty awesome for me. Um, as you all know, San Diego Comic-Con is this coming week. It is uh, July 19th through, I believe, uh, whatever date Sunday is, which I think is like the 23rd or something. Um, uh, so it's uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Wednesday is the preview night. I'm just double-checking the uh, dates. Yes, so the 19th to the 23rd. Um, but on the Thursday, uh, the 28th, um, the 20th? Is that a Thursday? Yes. July 20th. Um, I am going to be on a panel at San Diego Comic Con. Yay! I'm so excited um, about this. So if you're going to be at uh, Comic Con, um, check out uh, Room 23 ABC on Thursday, the 20th, from 7 to 8 o'clock. Um, I know that it's kind of like a, an off uh, off time. It's pretty late, but it's Comic-Con. It's Thursday. The um, I believe the Exhibitor Hall closes around that time, so it'll be perfect for you to just wander on over to Room 23 ABC. The panel is um, presented by Publishers Weekly, uh, and it's titled Selling Comics to a Diverse Audience. The brief description uh, says it's no secret that the audience to comics has become far more diverse over the last decade. As more women, people of color, and LGBTQ readers discover comics and more work is created for these audiences, reaching out on a retail level is ever more important. Publisher Weekly senior editor Calvin Reed talks with comics retailers and booksellers about expanding the readership and standing up for representation. What works and what doesn't? I'm so excited for so, you. I know, right? This, oh my God. this is a topic that I'm super passionate about, um, and one of the whole reasons um, that I even wanted to start Commodity Comics, um, I think that um, representation and diversity in comics is super important, and um, just talking about it on a panel at San Diego Comic-Con is, like, amazing to me, so... Like I said, if you're going to be in San Diego, you come by, um, sit in the panel, and then um, stop and say hi to me afterwards. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe buy her a beer, guys. Yeah, buy her a beer or recommend the beer yeah. for us to try next time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That is so cool. I mean, are you nervous? How many people are on the panel? I mean, come um, on. There's so many questions. Do you have to have a pass to go to the panel? I mean, give us a scoop. Yes, yeah, so the panel is part of the convention, so you do have to have a pass to get into the convention hall. Uh, and um, I, they did send me an email with the other, um, the other panelists. I think there was about five or six of us that were going to be there, and I'm a last-minute addition, actually. Um, the, I best. <laughs> <laughs> the best. The um, best for last. Uh, uh, oh, the way that the invitation came to me was through the Valkyries. Um, the Valkyries, as you may or may not know, is a um, an online group of um, female retailers, um, people who, uh, women who work in the retail um, industry, um, in the comic book industry on the retailer side. Um, the group was uh, founded and um, is supported by Kate Leth, 
who is um, the creator and writer for um, books like um, Hellcat, and um, also she does Power, uh, up. Power Up, yeah, and um, actually there's quite a few things that I'm off the top of my head I'm not thinking of, but Hellcat is one of my um, <laughs> my one of my favorite ones that I really love and that she does uh, so awesome in. But she started it because uh, she started working as a retailer before she um, got onto the creator side of comics, uh-huh. and the group is pretty big. They uh, I think they surpassed 300 quite some time ago. Yeah. Um, wow. There's quite a lot of uh, women that work on the retail side of comics, and I think that's awesome. And it's part of um, it's part of the importance of diversity in the comic book industry. Uh, the retailer side, it really uh, is important to be able to support that and to to further that. So um, somebody dropped out. They put it out there on the Valkyrie site and. Um, I an- I was the only one who answered that said I was available. So, really? Uh, I'm not really nervous. Um, uh, part I'm of uh, my past jobs is um, was speaking in public. So I used to go out and do presentations to like big stadium, high school stadiums full of high schoolers. Once you've done a presentation to a high school crowd, you can do anything. <laughs> I, I can agree. I can agree to that. Yeah. I've done presentations with my peers in college, and that's pretty much about the same thing. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm treating it like I would like a dissertation or something. Yeah. So that I have to present. And when it's a topic that you um, that you're pretty passionate about and that you're well versed in, I think that it's a lot easier too because you have a, a confidence um, in the topic you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm more nervous about um, people not showing up because it's so late. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a really good topic, and a lot of the people are vendors uh, uh-huh. that are going to be on the floor. And since the hall is going to close, maybe they'll trickle in as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be a good crowd, and I'm really excited for you. Thank I'm, you. I'm nervous yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not because you're not going to do well. I just get nervous, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I'll like, be excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be nervous. You'll be excited. Okay. <laughs> And I'll take a healthy dose of both of those. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what's your cheese, Miss Sarah? Well, my cheese is um is a topic that you shared before on the last podcast was uh the AACC, which is the Asian American Comic Con. And um it was a small event at the um it was at the uh, Japanese American National Museum, uh-huh. and uh, it was kind of an experience for me because what I did is uh, Jen told me that the, there was a metro stop right in front of the right yeah. uh, the museum, mm-hmm. so you know I got my little tap card, I got all <laughs> excited, I got some cash out, and I get there and I you know fill up my little tap card and I'm you know with my little backpack and I'm ready, I'm ready for this trek, right? <laughs> Apparently there was some maintenance work on the blue line, so we oh, had to shuttle out. So Oh, well, the shuttle's free, so. No, the shuttle's free. No. Just we, There was a little wait time and yeah. stuff, and I got nervous because I was, like, in the middle of somewhere where I'm not familiar with. Yeah. yeah. Where did, did you park and ride? Yeah, there's a station right here in Compton yes, that I yes, just, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so you didn't even get to get on the the rail? You took the, the shuttle the whole way? No, we, I got on the blue line, but uh, it stops, like, in front of uh, Trade Tech. Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, The Grand LATTC stop. Yeah, exactly. I know that. Uh. I like to make my hand. (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I was petrified for a moment because I'm like, I'm never going to get there. And so when I got there, I was all sweaty and I was like, I missed the panel I wanted to see around 3 o'clock. And then I'm like, well, at least I'm going to see George Takei, which is cool. 
but then I decided to go see um, uh, Artist Alley, and I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, I got to meet uh, creators of uh, comic books that we hope to, I hope to bring to the podcast, and we could um, all um, review the comic yeah. books. So yeah, I'm very excited definitely. about that. They were super nice, and they are also... Uh, um, they also would like to come and uh, interview with us. That's cool. For our podcast. Oh, so that's and nice. I picked their brain a little bit because I only had like 15 minutes before the uh, George Takei panel started. But I got uh, so here. enthralled that uh, I was 15 minutes late to the panel. Oh. <laughs> but um, I, I have to say, I actually got to take a picture with him. He is super nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's yes. He was super amazing. Uh, that's He's a super cool. nice guy. Um, but one of the things I found really inspiring from his, uh, his talk they were um, they were uh, recording a podcast called They Call Us Bruce. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yes, I've heard of that. And uh, they, it was a live taping. Well, I say taping, but it's really just what? Recording? Right. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so they asked him, what is the good, the bad, and the oh my about being George Decay? Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So the good, he said, is Brad Takei, his husband. Aww. Which I thought was, in, and yeah, that was the audience's reaction. <laughs> and then the, uh, the bad was not enough time. So oh, he said yeah. that he tries to squeeze as much as he can into this time, but mm-hmm. you know he's older and there's so many things he has to pass on because mm-hmm. he, there's not enough time. So that's what he considers the bad. Yeah, yeah and he's done so much stuff. He's so much playwright, stuff. Super active. Playwright, director, mm-hmm. yeah. actress. Like mm-hmm. he's just. He's I just done uh, so much. On, yeah. on that panel, I heard that he was on a show in Europe. It was a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, but there it's was like a celebrity survivor. Yes, oh my God. exactly. I have to watch that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard about it, and I'm like, I got to see that. I got to see, see that. that. There, there was one, um, one season of that that they did for uh, American, like, C-list, not even, like, most of them were reality TV show <laughs> people, <laughs> but it didn't go past the one season, I don't think. Oh, Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like reality TV, but it's touristy. <gasps> How are we friends? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, when you say the Big Brother thing, I'm like, I don't understand. No, 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 the, no, the closest I get to reality TV is say yes to the dress and four weddings. Because uh-huh. I love that shit. Yeah. Like, and, like, I just love it. That but counts. <laughs> I like... Uh, and the cooking shows. Oh, oh and the, the cooking, cooking shows. shows. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Uh, the Worst Cook in America. Yes. Um, my fave. <laughs> but I'm going to have to watch this uh, this. Definitely. I'm, I'm more of the So You Think You Can Dance. I really oh, love that. Oh, I love So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. I've yeah, been on board with that show since season one. Oh, so Same. Good. So I've been good. watching it since season one, yeah. So, um, and the oh my uh, was the fact that he's run uh, six marathons. His, his fitness regimen consisted of 50 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and a 45-minute run every morning. Oh, my goodness. For, for almost his entire life. Are you serious? Oh, my God. And the oh, my comes in in the fact that he says that it used to be that, and now it's a 30-minute walk because oh. of his age. Oh. He's, he's, but, he's I mean, that's amazing. It is yeah. amazing. He's still doing all that stuff. Yeah. A 30-minute walk is more than I've I, done. I don't feel do <laughs> right? Look, that already right there is more healthier than I have yep. ever tried yeah. to be. I know. <laughs> so, like, I'm, holy shit, like, man, my 30-minute my 30 walk consists of me walking to the, to like, the bus tra- stop, to the bus yeah. stop <laughs> taking the train, or, like, the bus, and then walking home. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's my 30-minute walk. Yeah. It's not, like, on purpose that you're trying <laughs> yeah, to... It's not on purpose. It's just, uh, it happens because you have to do it. Yeah. And um, th- that's actually one of the reasons I'm thinking, I want to be George Takei. I want to con- uh, imp- 
implement this type yeah. of, of regimen into my life, and yeah. that's why I cut back one cup of coffee because I'm. Oh, I want to kind of. That's I wanna, why. I want to be first to king. That's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, oh um, so the guys from the podcast they call us Bruce. They were like, there has to be something more oh my than that. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, there was one time I was uh, I was in the restroom and I was at a urinal. And then this guy got into the urinal, urinal right next to me, and he said, "You're George the King." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Did I take a selfie with you? And he was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. sure." Uh, he said, "Sure." <laughs> he thought sure, but let's wash our hands first. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was super cool, and it just goes to show you he has a great sense he of humor, does. and oh he's such gosh. a nice guy. Yeah. So. I really, really love that, and um, to have met him, I thought it was super cool, and I thought one of the most, I know that I'm dragging this on, but one of, I, I really, if I wasn't a fan before, I am a fan <laughs> now, like <laughs> hardcore. Um, they asked him, like, what, do you, what, would you, what would you tell somebody who you want to inspire or that you think that would be good, good um, kind of a good um, feedback mm-hmm. if they want to accomplish something? And he said, whatever aspect you are passionate about, do something about it. Show up. Be visible. Even your bum in the seat is action. So mm-hmm. whatever it is, just show up. Yeah. Be visible. And I thought those were very oh amazing God. words. Yeah, I yeah definitely. definitely. I feel inspired already. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, I was, I'm such a high from that. Yeah. I mean, even when I got home, I was like... I met George Takei. <laughs> and the cool thing is, like, he shook my hand, and then he held my, my my arm, and I was like, and then they snapped the picture, and I was like, it's like, it was such a strong kind of, like, it was so just, it wasn't like, you know, you just shake a hand because you're, you know, posing for the right, picture. Yeah. He was like, it was great. I loved it. Oh, I, that's I awesome. He's just amazing. Uh, I had planned to go and spend the whole day there, but things didn't work out, but I'm so happy to hear uh, everything that you heard and all the people that you met, and it sounds like it was um, it was the inaugural year for it, and um, I, I really hope that they do it again, and it sounds like it was really amazing. It was really yeah. great, and everybody was... Did you see Louis Tan? Oh, my God. I don't think I saw Louis Tan. No. Oh, my gosh. I'll cry. Yeah, but I did. I did. I was in the vicinity of the young lady who writes for Supergirl, and oh. she was just a, such a spitfire. She, I, I just, just, I just kind of just listened to her. She was just so yeah. inspiring. Uh, that's what I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go see George Takai, um, but I also wanted to go see Louis Tech because he's so so amazing. Mm-hmm. Next time, for sure, I'm going to plan ahead and make sure that <laughs> <you're with laughs> and, uh, and make sure that, like, I go all day cause yeah. bec- um, because yeah. I was doing some other stuff. I didn't go at the beginning. My original plan was to be there at 9 mm-hmm. and kind of stand in line because I thought it was going to be kind of full of people. Oh, uh, but okay. uh, I think it didn't get a, as much media um, coverage and attention. Mm-hmm. That, um, But for me, it was great because it was like I got to meet George yeah. Kay, but yeah. but it would have been something that um, more people should have showed up oh, too okay. I think in my opinion it was it was a really great uh, missed opportunity it was wonderful I, I think the actress too who plays um, agent uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. oh Agent May yeah um, uh, I love her she plays, um, I think she was there too I can't remember her name 
I'm um, bad at remembering. Ming Na, Ming Na yes, Wen. yeah, yes. Ming Na Wen. Uh-huh. She didn't. She was Mulan, and now she's Agent Melinda. Oh, yeah, she, oh, she was yeah, Mulan. Yeah, she did the voice of Mulan. Oh, I, I missed out on that. so much too. And uh, brief cheese She's in talks with Disney to appear in the live-action Mulan movie. Oh, and really? If they do that, they have single-handedly redeemed themselves, exactly. and I'm gonna go wow. watch that movie. Exactly. Well, I saw all their, uh, well, some cheesme, actually, uh, we're still on cheesme, is all the stuff that came out of D23 this weekend. Oh, Ooh, that's yeah. Right. They have cast their Aladdin and Jasmine. Yes. And, uh-huh. Uh, I have um, Naomi, who played um, uh, um, uh, the Pink Ranger in the current uh-huh, uh-huh, Power okay. Rangers movie. I know she is of, I believe, Egyptian ancestry. Uh-huh. Um, like, her dad, or she's half something, but... I don't see her as Jasmine. Uh, I I don't see her as Jasmine, yeah. and I'm just like <laughs> already uh, there's shade. Already, I'm ready. I'm shading already. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sound by free. Uh, <laughs> but you know that's what we said about Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman. So I'm open. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Open-minded. I mean, open-hearted. I loved her in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, mm. which everyone should have gone to go see. You know, like I heard a lot of good stuff about that movie. I never mm. went to see it. I'm I was already past the age when uh, yeah. Mighty Morphin uh, was out and popular. So um, <laughs> I had no interest in it, but um, I actually read the comics. Um, Kyle Higgins' uh, run on oh, um, yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was really good. I really liked it, and I really liked the Pink Ranger book that yeah. came out, and so um, that would kind of be where um, mm. my interest in the movie would be, um, but all the feedback of people who did see it said mm. it was really good. Yeah, and it's just, she made a she made a great Kimberly, and I, and I loved her in that role, but like Jasmine, like I'm, I'm gonna go see Aladdin. Like, of course, it's just like yeah. it's a Disney movie. I'm gonna go see it. I've seen all of their uh, live action ones, uh, even the ones that I didn't like. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, like, I'm gonna go see it. But uh, she's a she's a good actress. But I just didn't. That wasn't the picture I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for Jasmine. Some other comic-related cheesemen that came out of D23, and for those of you who don't know, D23 is the, um, it's the quote-unquote Comic-Con of Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's their Disney convention that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not yearly. I believe it's um, every two years, but I think after this year and the popularity of it, they might be moving to a yearly thing. I mean, it was Oh, so well attended this year, and I just saw all my friends who attended um, showing pictures of all the lines and everything. Mm-hmm. I went to the first year, and it was not that well attended. I walked right into all the panels and everything. Really? And I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't been since. But this year really looks like people are starting to take notice. But oh, um, Disney has its fingers in so many pies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that Disney owns Marvel, Marvel doesn't show up to Comic Con anymore to make their big reveals. Oh. They go to D twenty three. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's Salty. where all the Marvel, um, all the Marvel uh, stuff came out this uh, weekend. They did the initial kind of like tease of um, of uh, Infinity War. Yes, they, they showed. That. Yeah, they showed it um, there. It's yeah. not 
even scheduled to be released at all anywhere. Yeah. Um, only the people who were there. If you read any reviews of it, people are just talking and saying what they saw. You, we had. There's nowhere where you've actually seen it yet. You can't. You, there's no. There's no video. No. Like I posted something, Disney, but it wasn't. I, yeah. It's not what that it was. It was, was, was an old one. Yeah. Yeah. Like Disney has that shit on lockdown. Yeah. And like who? Like <laughs> I like I legit believe the theory that they have snipers like. <laughs> So, and then also some other uh, comic-related achievement is that Disney um, Disneyland Resort is expanding their Marvel presence in the uh, California Adventures part of the resort, and wow. there is an Avengers and Spider-Man uh, ride slash experience. Uh, two separate things: uh, an Avengers one and a Spider-Man one coming um, at some point in the next uh, few years. So yeah. that's really yeah. like, are they building it, or yeah. are they going to be like remaking well, other rides? They, I, I'm not sure. They were they were not very specific, only to say that it's coming. But there is a Monsters Inc. ride in that area that is very. It's not very well. Um, uh, I executed? guess. Yeah. No, it's actually pretty awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's in a part of the park that's not very well attended by um, people. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll go on the ride always when I'm in that area just because it's like a quick walk on. and you mm-hmm. It's like a, what they call a dark ride where you sit in a little car and it takes you through. Oh, um, okay. And it's the story of Monsters, Inc. It's really super cute. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a lot of people get on it. And there's a lot of things in that back area that I think that could be rebranded mm-hmm. to um, to fit more with the Marvel uh, theme with the that's Marvel going because yeah. that's back where um, it's back in part of the park of California Adventure where now the um, new Guardians of the Galaxy uh, mm. ride is the old Tower of Terror yeah makes sense so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> I'm one of the few people who was excited when Disney took over Marvel and started integrating it into the parks. But I was I, excited. I think a lot of people now we're, are, are we're on, on board. board. Yeah. yeah, they're seeing the light. They're <laughs> yeah. seeing the light. We're definitely yeah. on board. Yeah. Yes. So we have a beer this week uh, from Figueroa Mountain Brewing Company. It's a beer that I uh, picked up when I went to my girls' weekend um, this last weekend to uh, the um, the central coast of California. So I've already drank this beer. Um, while I'm describing the beer, I'm going to let Sarah and um, Jen taste it while I uh, talk a little bit about it. So um, Figaro Mountain Brewing Company was established in 2010, so they're pretty new. They're a pretty new uh, brewing company. Uh, they have um, multiple tap rooms and restaurants up and down the coast of um, California. So from the Central Cro- Coast up to, um, there's one here in Westlake Village, um, here in the LA area. So um, if you're in uh, California at all in the coast area, for sure, check out their um, their website. They have a um, they have a beer finder on their website where you just put in your zip code and they not only tell you if there is a tap room in your area but also where you can buy the bottled uh, beer um, at like BevMo or Total Wine or those kinds of things um, or even uh, restaurants that might have it on tap. So 
Figueroa Mountain Brewing Company, for sure check it out. What we're drinking today from them is called Lizard's Mouth. It's an Imperial India Pale Ale, so um, it's 9% ABV. It's what? pretty strong. It's a 9%, uh, and uh, it's really... <laughs> It's really one of those beers that I think you can get in trouble with because it doesn't taste like it's 9%. The, yeah. the, the little um, blurb on the back of the bottle uh, describes it as inspired by the rock formation that sits on the crest of the Santa Inez Mountains, Lizard's Mouth Imperial IPA is surprisingly smooth, which is where you can get in trouble with IPAs. It has a tropical bite with notes of mango, papaya, and pineapple. Uh, and it says it'll reward your palate after a long day. I love it. <laughs> I love it's, it. It's very smooth. Yeah, when I drank it, that's the, the first thought that registered to, in my head. I'm just like, oh, that's smooth. That is very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. And um, I can definitely taste that papaya. Yeah. yeah. The tropical notes, yeah. uh, fruit notes in this are so prominent. Um, they don't get uh, overwhelmed with that hoppy IPA taste, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just, um, it's fruity, but not in a, like, um, what are those beers again that you like? <laughs> not, not like in a cider way. Yeah. It's like in a, in a respectable beer way. <laughs> Uh, sorry, cider drinker. <laughs> that was okay. a burn. It's okay. I know. I know. I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> so, what did you think, Sarah? I love it, yeah. and um, I'm really shocked that you said it's nine percent. Mm-hmm. Like, it, oh, yeah. it, I had no idea. I took like two big gulps. And then you said nine percent. I'm like, oh no! I better drink, it. I better, I better drink some water. Yeah, but for a for an IPA that usually is so high percent uh, ABV, um, you can taste it. You pay for it in that aftertaste of that hoppiness. I mean, some people like like hoppy beers, and I definitely like my hoppy beer. But there's some IPAs that that just they punch you in in the mouth. Oh, absolutely! And it's not enjoyable. Right, not enjoyable right, right away you know what you're getting into. But mm-hmm. this one is a silent killer for sure. Yeah, yeah I think definitely. this one. Um, if you hadn't told me, um, yeah, I, I, you know, like if I had a bottle, I would have gulped it down, <laughs> and and then I would be singing on the table or something. But um, <laughs> I totally love it. I love, like you said, those tropical hints. I really love all the um, the fruit that they have in it. Um, I love the color. Yeah. The oh, color is yeah. so sexy yeah. in a glass. <laughs> Definitely, this is a type of beer that you want pour to out. pour out mm-hmm. into a glass. The, the color, guys, it's sort of like, um, it's kind of a yellow-orangey hue, but it's a it's golden hue. It's, it's very amber. Yes, yeah. yes. It looks like... It looks like it, I could like, like pluck it off of a tree or something. Yes, it's a, it's a very lovely shade. It of is of amber. Yeah, N- that's exactly. Yeah, you took the words right out of my head because I couldn't. I kept saying golden, but you're right. Yeah, it's, it's amber. very pretty. Yeah, mm. and the two sizes um, that were available when I was there um, was a, a the bottle that we're drinking out of is a one pint six fluid ounce. Um, bottle, so it's one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how much I paid for it. Um, and then they also had a four pack of like the twelve ounce bottles. Okay. But um, 
Yeah, it's a California beer. So if you're listening and you're in California, um, you would probably find a place that you could find access to it. If you're not in California, I'm not really sure how wide their distribution areas are, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, they, they, I did a taster and I was there, and there wasn't a beer that I didn't like. Really? Yeah. I love when that happens, when um, all the beers that they offer on tap uh, from the brewing company are all, like, amazing. Yeah. I love that. But I love this beer. So are we ready, are, are we ready to rate it? Oh, my God. See, my, my already playing your words. I'm already yeah. playing. Oh, my God. See, I drank half the cup right away, and I was like, oh, man. Eight, what, 9%? Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I really loved this beer from the moment I took my first... Um, drink. Uh, I drank it uh, that day. It was part of my little taster. I fell in love with it, and that's why I bought some to bring, and I brought this one for us to taste. So I'm going um, with Rigid on this one. I am going to second that, Rigid, for me, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that is kind of a, a pleasant surprise. I mean, you... Um, the the label is is, um, is not... It do, it's not telling of the content. No, the uh -uh. contents are just fantastic yeah mm -hmm. you know what you're right uh i mean there's a picture of a lizard on it but it, <laughs> it's not um it's yeah called lizard's mouth <laughs> uh other than that i mean what you're getting inside of it uh really the even the name of it is not really a telling of what you're gonna get mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah definitely love it rigid for me I'm going to give it a full, mostly because uh, I've learned to appreciate IPAs, but they're still not, like, yeah. my go-to favorite ones. Yeah. But this is good. I love that smoothness mm -hmm. that you can, like, uh, swallow it down, and it's just, like, no, like, uh, I don't know if I really like this. <laughs> uh, th th this one is a pleasant uh, potpourri of, of fruit. Yeah, and with a nice bitter after. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's really and it's refreshing. Not too bitter, which no, is it's I, not. which is what I which is my major hang up about most beers is that it's bitter like man I'd rather take a cocktail or something. Yeah. yeah. But this is this is pretty good. Yeah. So two ridges and a full for Figaro Mountain Brewing Company's Lizard Mouth Imperial India Pale Ale. Excellent. Thank you so much for bringing that. Yeah. Alright guys, well today we're reviewing uh, Finding Molly, an Adventure in Cat Sitting. This book is from Justine Prado and the art is from Jen St. Ange. Am yes. I saying it right? You are. Oh my <laughs> god. I thought it was Stange. <laughs> <laughs> Justine Prado is a Los Angeles based uh, television screenwriter, playwright and producer. Um, she has many different uh, creative realms. She's done uh, episodes in Weeds, the TV show. I love oh. Weeds. Yes. Um, uh, she went. She's a native of, of the San Francisco Bay Area. She holds a BFA from the Academic Academy of of Art University and an MFA from the University of California. Which one? It doesn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe San Francisco. You're, oh, wait. I'm sorry. University of California, Los Angeles. Oh, oh UCLA. UCLA. Okay. Dude, I am so sorry. I did not highlight that part. <laughs> and so, therefore, I did not read it. Um, uh, she's written a play called The uh, Wait Till 
Wait will kill you. The wait will kill you. The wait will kill you. Oh, I know that play. Really? Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's also um, done Weeds, like I said, in uh, Netflix, Orange is the New Black. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. she uh, she also uh, wrote Faith from Valiant Comics. Yes, I saw yeah. that. She, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about Faith, but I saw uh, the cover of it, and I thought it was, she looked pretty interesting as a character, like a superhero. Yes. She's a little plump. She, mm-hmm. Yes, she is um, a um, a larger size uh, woman who is a superhero, and she's pretty. Uh, she's a pretty awesome character. She's very, very uh, down to earth when you read the book, and mm-hmm. um, the writers usually write her in in a way that is, I think, very true to um, what somebody who in their, uh, I think she was a teenager when she learned that she was a Psyot, um, just all of a sudden has these powers, and I think she was, like, held captive or something. I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, we just actually read um, the the most recent uh, number, volume one trade for Faith in our weekly discussion group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big Valiant reader. The Valiant universe um, is uh, all uh, a universe amongst itself that doesn't really um, it's not Marvel or DC. It's um, it's a Valiant. it's Valiant. It's a small um, publishing company um, that has quite a few characters in it, and Faith is one of them. And it's really cool. And when I saw that she wrote that, I was like, oh wow, I got to go back and check out what she wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent! Definitely. <coughs> the art is from Jen Saint Ange. Uh, alias Princess Jen. <laughs> I like that. She's a Canadian illustrator, uh, comic artist. Uh, she gradu- graduated in 2012 from Seneca College, from Seneca College's Independent Illustration Program. Nice. Uh, I love her art. She's oh, her it's so awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love her. It's uh, and it's so complimentary to the story. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I just yes. I really like it a lot. Yeah, she's done a lot of different work. She's uh, done children's literature, logo designs, book covers. Um, but her true love is uh, has been comic books and character design. Um, this um, Finding Molly is also published in Spanish. I don't know if I you guys saw know that. that. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Um, and uh, Jen Saint Ange, uh, she's also drawn Bingo Love, which it looks really interesting. I just saw the cover for it and Ooh. I really liked it. Gem and the Misfits, and of course, oh, yeah, I love Gem. And you know what? <laughs> now that you mention it, <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the artwork, artwork yeah. yes. Uh, she's done varying covers for Rick and Morty. Oh my God, yes, she has. Gem uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the Holograms, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, Faith, uh, Steven Universe, Ongoing, uh, uh, and, and, yeah. Be- and Betty and Veronica. Yes. Oh, so uh, yeah. her her I um, did see that work. she she worked a lot with uh, Archie. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, one thing that I want to point out about this book is it's an all female um, corroboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, everybody is uh, female mm-hmm. in this book. Like uh, not the characters, but um, like the producers, the letters, the colorists, the artists, the writer. They're all female. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it is produced uh, by Emmett Comics, um, which was founded in 2015, and it was um, uh, founded to bring more diversity to the world of comics. 
Um, at Emmett, female and male creators from diverse backgrounds come together to empower women and girls through storytelling. And kind of like their tagline is, we believe a society that empowers its women and minorities is a society that thrives. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, I'd like to uh, uh, give a special shout-out to Maital Gilboa, who actually um, presented this book uh-huh. for us mm-hmm. to review. And I'd like to thank her because I love this book. Yes. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yes. I, okay, you guys care. Uh, I connected <laughs> to this book on a spiritual <laughs> level. Me like, too. Like, it's just, oh, my God. There is moments, the, the character Molly she is um, from she's from a diverse background, and her struggle. She's 23, and I'm gonna be 23 this year. And every single moment where she <laughs> doubts herself and she says very disparaging comments about yeah. herself, and I'm just like, girl, I feel you. Like I'm, I'm just, totally like, I'm just like I am there with you. I've had these thoughts. I've done this. This. This is basically me, but with art like yeah it's like my thing has been writing but like her and her thing is art and cats and like i i actually really like cats yeah i know <laughs> i know i was thinking about you when i read it yeah and so i actually like cats so it was a it was a bit funny seeing like someone who doesn't really like cats but then all of a sudden becomes a cat owner yeah like, i'm just like I've, I've had a few friends like that but i love this book so much it's it's there's two scenes in specific that I'm talking about. She's with her best friend, and they're out drinking, and she says, she tells she tells her friend, like, I'm 22 years old, and, um, uh, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And she's basically, because she has just started a webcomic, um, uh, and she says, I want to be creating great art and living downtown, but I can't move until I have money. And I can't make money until I create something great. It's an endless cycle. I'm 22 with a catch-22. And then her friend says, you're 23. And she's like, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, my God, that's me. And it's just like, it's it's an endless cycle of, like, trying to get experience, of trying to get, of writing, of trying to get published, of and all that stuff. Of trying like, to get out there, yeah. Trying to get out there, trying to put your name out there. And, um... And I know that frustration, like, it can get so hard, and sometimes, like, you fall into a rut where she can't make art besides what she sees, like, cats and all that stuff. She Uh, lives in the suburbs. She lives in the suburbs. Actually, she mentions at some point that there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of things to motivate you to to draw Mm -hmm. in the suburbs. Yeah, and for me, it's, like, basically the same thing, but with writing. Yeah. uh, Like, well, I'm already living in L.A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she moves to L.A., but I'm living in L.A., and everything, like, that's been written about, that's not what I want to do kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Can, like, I, I want to do what she does in the book, which is, like, move out. Like, yeah. move out and, like, really get your life started. You have to take your life by on, on your own and just stop waiting for stuff. And I'm just like, this book is just, like, I feel it on a spiritual level. So, a side note before I, I move on, I want to read um, the little synopsis about what Finding Molly is actually about. But Maitel Gilboa is actually the founder of Emmett. So, really? yeah, she's oh the founder. And I've spoken I met to her. her. I met her. I, I've <laughs> spoken to her a couple of times at different conventions and stuff. And um, she's just so passionate about diversity in comics. And um, Emmett Comics 
has some, uh, if you haven't read anything by Emmett, um, for sure Finding Molly is an awesome place to start. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's um, quite a few, um, there's quite a few other titles that they have, and they were doing single issues for a while, um, but they've decided, because they are a small publishing company, um, and they're not distributed by Diamond because of the fact that they're so small. Mm-hmm. So what they've, um, they've changed their um, marketing technique, and now they are specifically just doing um, trades. Novels. Yeah, yeah, graphic novels. Which is something dear to my heart because uh, when you get a graphic novel, you can read like the whole chunk of yeah. the story, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Yeah. So we read uh, Finding Molly in Adventure in Cat City, and the little blurb on the back of the book uh, says, Fresh out of art school and creatively creatively unfulfilled molly is stuck in the suburbs with her parents and their cat pishi when she is offered an opportunity to cat sit she sees it as a way to get closer to her friends who live in los angeles who live in the los angeles arts district while fulfilling her dream of making a living as an artist mm-hmm. and i know that um that maybe that doesn't grab you but honestly I don't know why I waited so long to read this book yeah. <laughs> because I, I know that you you uh, connected on a spiritual level. Well, I connected on her emotional level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all, all those emotions that she has and uh, when she does finally move to the city uh, were being coddled by her parents yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with her frustration with the cat and not being able to make any art. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things I felt so unified with like yeah. I felt like that has been my struggle before and could possibly be my struggle right now mm-hmm. like I felt so connected with her even down to her like little um angry episodes yeah mm-hmm. like I feel like that was me uh-huh. like yeah. down to like that I just feel like she's me in in a sense like I'm not 23 but i totally identified with her as a character yeah yeah definitely so you know this character really resonated with me and i love the story i love the way it was written i love the language they use they don't go all uh hipster on me either (laughs) you know honestly i do not understand all that hipster stuff so there's even a time in here where her friend is like hipster alert (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i I bookmarked a lot of little pages that i like Uh um because there's a lot of great writing Writing in this, yeah. I, I feel like you know it's really clever. It's funny. It's mm-hmm. sad. There was a point in this book while reading it that I actually teared up. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Oh, same <laughs> here. Yeah. Like I could not believe that this book. I'm not even a cat fan, but this <laughs> book made me tear up, and I'm Hello. just like, wow, you just made me feel. I love you. <laughs> so I love this book, guys. What do you think, um, Kristen? I, it's funny. I uh, her friend, her best. What's her best friend's name? Sarah. Sarah with the ages. With the two ages to make it more unique. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I knew her before she added the extra eight. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought is uh, the, she's the one. I I found it so ironic that she was the one who made the hipster alert comic um, because she has two ages in her name and they live in the Los Angeles Arts District, which is hipster central. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, So, um, but yes, I didn't have an emotional or spiritual connection at all to the book um, in the way that you two did, but I totally connected with the the whole um, message of you really have to just uh, live your life to the fullest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a couple of times in here where not only her friend Sarah, but then Molly herself um, uh, realizes what Sarah has been telling her all this time, that you can't just sit back and wait things to happen for you or to you. You have to go out there and make them happen. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know what I loved about this is that her friend Sarah kept kind of telling her the same thing over and yeah. over again uh-huh. but it just it, there was so many different scenarios that she didn't quite get it yeah and, mm-hmm. I, and I just felt that I really liked the friendship between them mm-hmm. although they did get into yeah. arguments every now and then I think overall they do and are very good friends yeah and mm-hmm. I mean and that's what good friends do I mean you don't agree all the time and yeah mm-hmm. you you know that you are safe in disagreeing and having your argument but that they're still going to be there for you at the end mm-hmm. of the day and I just really enjoyed um, the whole process, not the whole process, but the whole just all coming together of the art and the yes. story mm-hmm. and just um, the little side story of her cat sitting and <laughs> yeah. uh, the little, the little, uh, all the little cats had their own personalities and then yeah. all her friends that, you know, she had the one that she was uh, interested in romantically that she realized at the end and then her Sarah and her boyfriend, um, <laughs> what was it? His uh, Rome, Rome, went in. in. <laughs> His art needs went in. Uh huh. So, um, not to cut you off, but one of the things I loved about this book is because I'm a lover of art, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is uh, they mention yes. artists throughout the entire they did. book, uh-huh. mm-hmm. from Frida Banks, Banksy, the Blue Period of Picasso, Matisse, Warhol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went all over the spectrum, and I like that because if uh, somebody is interested in art and maybe they pick up this book like for me i would recommend this book for kids that like oh, drawing yeah. uh-huh. oh, yeah. and then they could like see who is this matisse guy let yeah. me look mm-hmm. him up and then find out about their painting style yeah i mean i i, I foresee great things for I mean, sure this book is um appropriate for i would say preteen and up mm-hmm. yeah, and definitely. only preteen just because uh the, the reading comprehension mm-hmm. um but it, it's uh it's definitely a book that spans uh, many different uh reading um groups and uh whether it be preteen or i mean we're all adults in here and we all loved it and I think that um, one of the cool things about the fact that when it was recommended to you, it was just recommended to you because um, she was uh, at a convention with you, yes. uh, sitting yeah. next to you, and she found out that we do a podcast that highlights Latino characters, and Molly happens to be half Latina. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she's uh, half Latina and half Persian, yes. and her mother is Latina, and um, her culture is actually very well uh, integrated into this story, and it I, I loved that about this. Um, Frida is her favorite uh, artist. She has a picture of Frida Kahlo in her um, room, and she mentions her quite often when yes. she's like talking mm-hmm. to herself or trying to like just uh, figure out what she wants to do with her life. And one of her um, signature looks is the uh, the flower crown the that flower. she uses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, she she wears it often, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's the um, the. I think uh, I noticed that she wore it on their flashbacks during, like, when she was thinking about her happier times. Uh-huh. Well, in, yeah. while in college and when yeah. she was mm-hmm. doing her art gallery stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And side topic, but I have been... Today I was at Olvera Street with my best friend and our other friends, and um, there has been a resurgence of Frida Kahlo mm-hmm. in a lot of artwork, and with especially with a lot of Hispanic, like, local artists, which, like, I'm all for. Like, I love it. I love the fact that she's becoming 
prominent again. Like she's like she's already like a great major name oh, in, yeah. uh, in the Hispanic community, yeah. the art community. But there seems to be more of an appreciation for her mm. now, and I just I love that. And this was just like an example that she's like Frida Kahlo. She's like the person to know. She's, yeah, she's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally agree. One one of the one of the, uh, the the sentences I liked in this book was uh, when uh, her mom was talking to her and she was like, "I need to create, I need to paint." And her mom's like, "Well, you know, you could also get married because even Frida Kahlo was a wife." Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, it's kind of kind of uh, kind of sad and funny. Well, uh, I I can I understand the appreciate I appreciate the humor in it. But I also think that that was one of the times where I really could see the the writer was trying to integrate the stereotypical uh, Latino culture of find uh, find young woman find a husband settle down have a family mm-hmm. and I think and I see this a lot of times when I worked with young uh, Latino women. Um, I really saw that push and pull between the generations mm-hmm. of uh, young women and their um, their families who were first generation, second generation, who still had that quote unquote old world mentality. And in mm-hmm. fact, they even use that term in this book, the old world. Or the father is Persian, and he also has his own ideas that she should get married or get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it. it I really found the way that the author um, kind of just expanded on the idea of, of women being married and that being their goal in life mm-hmm. um, as, an, as a, like a generational kind of uh, issue between Molly and her mother because Molly's mother, she is a housewife. Mm-hmm. And that's what she and Molly at some point in the book makes the comment that, um, "What you want me to just get married and give up?" Mm-hmm. And Molly's mother really is offended oh, by absolutely. that comment. Yes. She's like, "I didn't give up." I, you is know, that I, what you think is that, that I gave you, up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Let me tell you, this house and you are my master." Right? Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, and that was one of the moments when I like wanted to cry, where I got a little bit teary because. I know Molly, like, I've been in Molly's place, I've had that feeling before, Yeah. and then when, like, it, like when I read that, I'm just like, oh, shit, like, that she's also right, like, that's one mm-hmm. of those Absolutely. Dual, yeah. dual things that, like, you, especially as, like, a newer generation, as a younger Latina woman, I know my mom, like, is, she's never pressured me to, like, you know, get married, uh, have kids, settle down, have a family, but she's definitely been, like, what are you going to do now? What are right. you gonna do now? No, absolutely. What are you gonna do now? And I'm just like, uh, I don't, I oh. don't really know. My grandmother, the moment I went to college and started coming home and visiting, summer holidays, whatever. What I was 19. I I moved out when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I turned 18 in college, and every time I would come home, she would always ask me um, about whether or not I was dating, if I had a boyfriend. And then once <laughs> I started getting into my mid 20s, she would ask me about. Um, and at the time, I didn't have any boyfriends or anything, and she always would ask me what was wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I do have some. The few times that I've gone to Guatemala, the first time was when I was 13 and the second time when I was around 20. Now the first time I went was when I was I was 13 
and my relatives there asked me if I had a boyfriend or something or anybody who I was interested in. I'm just like, I'm I'm 13. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm still getting over my I hate boys phase. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out uh, it was never boys in the first place. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think that's something I can get with like old school Guatemala. Like I don't think they're there yet. <laughs> but um, uh, the second time when I was like uh, around 20, um, they asked me. Was I married and did I have kids? And I was just like, what? <laughs> no, yeah, right? no. Oh, oh they're God, like, yeah. they're like, you're not married. And like the way they said it, like I'm, I know they were trying to be like, like, like why? Like, I think they knew that uh-huh. things are different. Uh-huh. But I think to them, they're like, why aren't you married? Because my old, my youngest aunt, I believe she was sixteen when she first. Um, well, when, I, when she first when she when she had her first kid and then got married with a guy, oh 16. wow! And yep. I was just like, oh man, that's not my life. That's no. not that's not the life for me. And um, my mom was actually the oldest to have kids. She was nineteen when she had her first child, and that's still young. Dude. And that's very young. And mm. I was just like, oh man, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm I'm very good. But um, but like people who do decide to do that. It's not a bad thing. It's like if this is this is a, this is what they want. This is their life that they chose. Mm-hmm. Then this is um, uh, not even choose. Like sometimes it's, it just happens. It's like it's not. This is the path they just went into. Yeah. This is uh this is what it is, and it sometimes and they can make something from that. It's not giving up. It's not like uh, falling to the circumstances or anything. This is their life, and this is what they decided to do with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, and like like you guys said, I mean, I didn't feel pressure to get married, but I mean, it was like, what what are you doing now? Like, yeah. where is this going? Yeah, why are you partying? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I have never been pressured to have children, which is mm-hmm. good. But you know, it's never the parents per se; it's always the family. Yeah, mm-hmm. the family is like, how come you don't have kids? How come you're not married? Are you? Like, my cousin made an offhand comment when I first presented my then-fiancé, Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, oh, my God, thank goodness he brought a boy home. I thought you were going to bring home a girl. And I'm wow. Like, wow. Wow, really? Okay. Uh, it, uh, or sometimes that would ho- when I was holding kids, they were like, you look so good holding a kid. You should have one. <laughs> I truly believe that my there probably were family members of mine that also thought that I was uh, going to bring home women uh, because I just I was single and I lived with another woman for so long just because <laughs> that's that's where my life took me. I you know was focused on my career and you know having fun and you know doing what I wanted to do and um, it was I way was it was way I think. Uh, longer than what a lot of people in my family or even sometimes society in general feel is the norm. Um, I didn't get married until I was 35. Same. So mm. that's what I'm holding out for if I ever do get married. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, maybe like uh, gay people can or like, you know, get married yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, not to diss civil union, but... Your girl's Catholic, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm living with that Catholic guilt. <laughs> yeah. So I really liked um, that part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. It really 
um, brought to the forefront um, a lot of uh, like issues that do happen and um, occur between uh, Latino families and um, young girls who are being raised in the um, the American culture of mm-hmm. women now waiting longer to get married and, mm-hmm. and having know, kids and having kids. Yeah, I mean having kids. To, to this day, I'm freaking 46 years old. People um, still tell me, uh, find it appropriate to tell me on Facebook that, oh, you and Eddie are so happy. All you need now is kids. And I'm wow. like, why do I need children? <laughs> and first of all, how do these people know that um, why, the reason why we don't, whether it's we chose not to, we can't have kids, or that, you know, we've tried and had multiple miscarriages, or whatever the situation could be, and mm-hmm. all those things are viable, you know, things that could happen to a person. And they're personal. Yeah, and they're personal. Yeah. And to bring that up and to think and to think that, and to also qualify a marriage of o- as only, as being uh, perfect or better when you introduce children. I, I always get so, I always respond in a way that they know it pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always just say, oh, you know what, I just can't have kids thanks for bringing it up <laughs> oh man that's one way to shut them down <laughs> yeah and that's one of the reasons people don't say anything anymore because yeah. i always mm-hmm. just say that i can't have kids yeah mm-hmm. and uh and then they're like oh i'm sorry about it up yeah yeah like you should you be. should be you, you should, should be, be. Yeah. how dare you, you i'm gonna go home crying now <laughs> fuck you <laughs> <laughs> like you don't know a person's circumstances yeah absolutely. yeah like, and personally for me like uh it's just like i'm young i want to live my life i don't it's Again, it's not that it, it's being like bogged down, but for me, oh, it would be. it would be bogged down. Uh-huh. Let me tell you, you don't know how many people my age that uh, when they ask me if I have kids and I tell them no, tell me, oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. So, and the thing is, is I love children. I mean, there was a point in my life where I said I wanted ten, <laughs> and, and um, wow. it's not that. Uh, again, my situation is one that it's not that we didn't want. It just didn't happen for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sad about it. And I totally understand women who have a really hard time with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our society, um, women are defined by um, how well of a Motherhood. mother that they are, how we- how good of a wife they are, mm-hmm. um, how um, how well of a household they can create Mm -hmm. and so it really frustrates me um when i see people still trying to push that stereotype onto me Mm -hmm. look your girl's gonna make a great wife with another wife (laughs) (laughs) i like that um i wanted to bring up the the moment where i actually felt very emotional and actually teared up Mm -hmm. was the moment where um uh, she comes. Molly comes home. Um, she took an Uber to go home and talk to her mom because she got too drunk at a party and that she threw that she was trying to get you know like make an impression on people and try to make friends because not only was she did she go out and move out into the art district but it was hard for her to make friends yeah. because she did not have a full time job so her old friends were working yeah. and so she felt really alone so she was trying to make new friends in the building she was kind of like in this limbo where she didn't she knew she didn't fit in at home anymore mm-hmm. but she also couldn't fit in yet into mm. her new life exactly so she yeah. drank a little bit too much at a party and uh, she made kind of a little spectacle so she 
Ubered it to her parents' house, and uh, she's like, "Where's mom? I need to talk to mom." And he's like, "Well, the, the dad is like, well, I'm here." And um, there was a moment where um, she, he goes, uh, "He said I work very hard," and she says, "I know, dad." Mm-hmm. And, he go, and he, then he proceeds to say, "So that you can do this, so you can live your dream. I'm proud of you. You can't give up." Mm-hmm. And that to me made me cry because I'm just like that is so beautiful yeah Mm -hmm. because he might tell her get married get a job but Mm -hmm. in in the end he really respects her talent and wants Mm -hmm. her to succeed and he maybe gives her a hard time because he's trying to push her Mm -hmm. but I think he does it out of love and and um and I thought that was a very moving scene and one of the things that I found uh in this book is that all of the people in the book were pushing her because they yeah. all saw her talent and her potential and they all realized that she just, in herself, she just didn't have the confidence yet to be able to go yeah. for that dream and to follow it. And you see it time and again um, where she kind of has this self-doubt where she talks herself out of things sometimes. Oh, and yeah. there are, um, and that's that's a very valid thing that all of us experience at one time or another. Um, and there are moments in the book where you see her kind of like um, taking back her power and, mm-hmm. and standing up to people, like the guy that um, she ends up going on a bad date with oh, and uh-huh. then ends up being her boss and yeah. who treats her like crap. And she takes it for a while, mm-hmm. um, but then at some point actually stands up to him and actually gains his respect. Yeah, yeah. and not only his respect, the boss the above boss. him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super cool. Um, but you're right. She second guesses herself throughout this this whole journey we're taking with her. Um, but I, I like I like the fact that she is growing as we keep reading, and yeah. I think that that speaks a lot to yes. her character. And um, the cool thing is that meanwhile this is all happening to her. Um, she's cat sitting, and there's a lot of misadventures, yeah. uh-huh. and she creates this web comic where she um, gains a lot of followers. She gains a lot yeah. of followers, like, mm-hmm. purely by, um, kind of by accident, because mm-hmm. she's kind of, like, just drawing what she's experiencing mm-hmm. in her cat sitting, and yeah. um, it just so happens to resonate with a lot of people, and that's yeah. how she gains followers. At one point, I think she was in 50,000 followers, and everybody uh-huh. just loves her webcomic, mm-hmm. and that's when she gets to... Um, interview with the guy who is uh, running this kind of a web based sort of like BuzzFeed. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's called the Sauce. Uh-huh. <laughs> La Salsa. Um, the Sauce, and um, and then she gets to work with them as a freelance uh, artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was pretty interesting. Um, that something she um, maybe not felt passionate about, but she just kind of drew as a kind of in a practicing kind of throw it out there. Yeah, and and that's actually how she got exposure. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and it it actually is kind of funny when she builds her her website and does her webcomic kind of as like a, I'm going to put this college degree uh, to work somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And and just kind of does that because she feels like she needs to do something Mm -hmm. that is art related while she's cat sitting because she feels like it's just so totally out of the realm of what she wants to do. But she keeps falling into these jobs, um, which actually a lot of them, she, she gets 
every single one of them through yeah. her art. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because mm-hmm. they see her art and they, uh, whether it was her putting up uh, posters that had her art um, or they were um, looking at her webcomic. Web yeah. And or I think one of them was a posting of her, uh, her drawing of her cat on Instagram and yeah. somebody saw it and were like, Draw my cat, yes, I'll pay you $200, yeah, and uh-huh. that's when it all took off. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it so it's funny that she's complaining about these cat sitting jobs, but they're all coming to her through her art, but she just can't see it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there was a one point that she found a little kitty cat in the alley, and then she's nursing it back to health, mm-hmm. but she wants it to get adopted because she just doesn't yeah. feel like she can t- keep a cat. Mm-hmm. And she... Instead of her snapping a picture of this cat and just putting up posters, adoption, uh, she actually paints a a Uh painting of the cat, and that's what she puts up in posters. And then there's a lady who uh, finds one of these, and she's like, are you posting this? And he goes, yes, I am. She goes, I love this art. Mm -hmm. Can you show a one-woman show at a, a, a gallery and she's like well not really a gallery yeah. <laughs> it's a coffee shop uh-huh. well not, real, <laughs> not really not really a coffee, coffee shop. shop it's a cat shop it's a cat, cat cafe. cafe yeah and they um, open one in Los Angeles I know I saw and <laughs> I love it <laughs> but I thought that was super cool because a lot of people um, um, I've, I've spoken to some artists that they're like oh I cannot be shown at a coffee shop yeah mm-hmm. and I'm like dude really yeah like you gotta get some exposure mm-hmm. in any case her friend Rome helps uh, talk people in, uh, into, into the buying, buying yeah. her, her, uh-huh. her art so it's she super actually successful. it's mm-hmm. super successful and it's a cat coffee shop mm-hmm. and I thought that was super cool because one of her greatest opportunities came from something so out of the blue. Yeah. 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 And that little kitty that she ends up uh, taking in and, and uh, nursing, um, not really back to health, but she's the kitten is so tiny that it still needs to be bottle fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is um, the panel that kind of brought me to tears was um, a panel where her mom comes to her new apartment to kind of just help out and to... Um, to kind of check out her daughter's new place, and the cool thing, I I I really um, identify with um, that scene uh, as a whole because when, like I said, I'm 46 years old, and whenever my mom comes over, she cleans, she vacuums, <laughs> she does laundry. I love it when my mom comes over. <laughs> whatever issues or, or fights or whatever we had growing up, or even as adults. The fact that she comes over and does that sometimes just erases all the drama. <laughs> um, but so that was like so true to how a mom really is when um, she's visiting her child who has moved out of. And she and the mom is coming over because she's just she wants to make sure her daughter is she's doing okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. And she happens to see that Molly has this little baby kitty. And um, the kitten is meowing all night long because it's hungry. It's, it's a little tiny baby. And so she has to bottle feed it. Um, throughout the the night and her mother at some point wakes up and is like oh um you had to do midnight feedings and molly says uh yeah well she depends totally on me and i just hope that someday she can be on her own and her mother looks at her and the way that the artist portrayed that what the mother was thinking when she says she will miha is mm-hmm. just that brought me to tears as the mother is basically um, 
saying, yes, I, I, you depended on me all this time, and I did what I could to, quote-unquote, bottle feed you all those years and to teach you what I thought you needed to know to be on your own. And, and yes, now here you are on your own. And yeah. the way that the analogy um, that the writer and the artist made that analogy between Molly and her cat and Molly and her mom was just so touching. Yeah, I thought it was super spot on the way they um they made the relationship between the parents and Molly. Mm-hmm. Um the whole like when the friend said when I went uh on vacation with you and your family like they yes. well, they smothered you. Yes. You're like super spoiled. Uh-huh. And then she's like, "Oh," says the girl with the trust fund. She's like, "No, you're spoiled. Not yeah. with money. You're spoiled with attention." Yeah. She goes, mm-hmm. "They cut your steak for you come on <laughs> like seriously mm-hmm. and you know that resonated a lot with me because uh, there was a one point that i told my mom like i need to do things on my own yeah mm-hmm. if you don't let me i will never learn i need to fall and get back up on my own yeah. and i could totally feel that about molly mm-hmm. and it's really hard for um for people who still live at home to kind of get out from underneath of that. My brother lived at home until his young 20s, and my mother did the same thing to him. I, um, My situation was, like I said, I moved out to go to college at 17, so I had to learn very quickly how to do things on my own. But um, because of how I was raised and caught, being coddled and done everything for, I was on that phone almost all the time, every day, telling my mom stupid little decisions that I had to make. Like, well, what do you think about this? So my car, something happens in my car. What should I do? Like trying, like second guessing myself and just needing that, that not just the support, but like the validation and affirmation because I was just so scared to make decisions on my own. Mm -hmm. So I can totally understand um, Molly, uh, herself knowing that she wants to get out and be on her own but then having a hard time and her parents having a hard time with that transition absolutely i mean and i thought it was really cute um her mom's like didn't i give you a toolbox yeah, yeah. And, and then it's she's like oh yeah uh, i don't know what happened to it i think uh but that makes complete mm-hmm. sense because my boss uh, her dad is uh, mexican Mm-hmm. And uh, she, sometimes she'll take out this little toolbox, and I'm like, this is such a charming toolbox. <laughs> Where did you get it? She's like, my dad made it for me. He put, like, a hammer in there and screwdrivers and stuff, and he said, Mija, you have to have this. This is, like, this is going to save you sometimes. You know, you don't yeah. need a man. You you have this toolbox that I made you. And I thought, that is so cute. Yeah, I didn't, I don't, that is I didn't, super sweet, yeah. I didn't have anybody make me a toolbox my dad he he was a carpenter at one point um but i had my own toolbox uh, so uh-huh. but but i i get that part of molly only because my my boss told me about her story and her dad yeah so i was like oh that is so cute i had um going away to college my parents gave me a her toolkit and it was a little box. It said her toolkit on it, and it was pink, and all the things inside were pink. And at the time, I was not into pink. And I was like, oh, I don't want this stupid thing. But absolutely right. It saved my life multiple times. I wish I still had it. I don't know what ever happened to it. In my multiple moves, I'm sure it stayed at a house or somewhere. But that toolkit was, yes, a lifesaver. <laughs> it's so cute. I think it's so charming. And if if I, you know, I'm going to make a toolbox for my nephew, like here. 
passing it on. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, my niece, when she was, um, she's tiny still. She's like uh, going to be eight or nine, I think. Um, but growing up, one of her favorite cartoons was Handy Manny. And I was like, I'm all about that. I This girl, and so I would buy her all the Handy Manny, um, like, uh, toolboxes yeah. and toys and everything like that. And my, with my nephew, I buy him all the, um, he really liked Doc McStuffins. And <laughs> it's, all the things are, um, are marketed, all the Doc McStuffins uh, little things that you can buy are marketed to girls, so they're all pink and purple or whatever. Yeah. And my mom's like, well, you can't buy that for her. I'm like, the hell I can't. He <laughs> likes Doc McStuffins. He doesn't care if it's pink or purple. <laughs> it's the father, who's my brother, who cares. Yeah. And sure enough, I bought it for him, and he made a complaint. And I told him, uh, and I'll buy him dolls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when you were a little kid, you used to like having dolls, and you would steal my cabbage patch out from my house. Yeah. I'm like, wouldn't you rather your son learn how to be a caring father? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with boys playing with dolls. Nothing at so, all. So yeah, so I always buy them each uh, the non-gender uh, <laughs> role, uh, toys. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love now it. that you guys mentioned the toolbox, like I, I still live at home, uh-huh. but whenever I do have to like, sometimes I do need to like my siblings mess up on something, and then it's just like I use my dad's toolbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all the way in the back of the house, but like uh, sometimes when I need it, that's what I use. I yeah. use his t- toolbox. And when I move out, I'm going to steal his toolbox. Yes, when you're living. (laughs) That's one of the things that, whether you're a man or a woman, you don't realize you need things that, when you're living at home, are just there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And toolbox is one of those things. The other thing, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. The first time I got sick while I it was freshman year and the first time I got sick while I was away from home and I am lying in bed I actually think I had the flu the stomach flu so coming out both ends and I had to go and buy my own medicine there was no one there to buy medicine at home you just go to the bathroom or your mother just brings it to you it magically appears from somewhere oh yeah and you just take it and you go to sleep but when you're on your own you gotta go buy everything take care of yourself I remember being so just like shocked that I had to go buy my own uh, Kleenex (laughs) when I got sick because it's just things you take for granted that are just there that your parents provide for you when you're Mm -hmm. at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know. Like, I did connect with a lot of that stuff, but, like, uh, I'm the oldest of of, uh, basically four siblings. Um, And so uh, a lot of the, like, stuff that I... Like, I know how to cook, I know how to yeah. clean, I know how to do laundry, I know how to, like, I I, I, I basically tell people, my smaller siblings are like my children, yeah. and that's why I know I don't want <laughs> That's why I know that I'm going to wait if I ever do decide to have kids, yeah. because I've been basically helping my mom raise them since I was, like, nine. Yeah. And, um, so... Which is also kind of a, a Latino cultural thing. Yeah. Um, always the oldest um, has a lot of uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in this one, like, oh, like how they've coddled her, mm-hmm. the, I've seen that with my parents, with my younger siblings. Yep. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. my mom still serves my brother his food. Yep. And now, and I remember uh, by the time I was, I guess, I think 10, not only was I making food, but like I was serving myself, yeah, and uh, and I remember I remember this very clearly. But my brother, who 
the one who's like one year apart from me uh he went one time he asked me well aren't you gonna serve me and i just looked at him oh. and i was just like oh you couldn't serve your damn self <laughs> not today Satan. Not, not today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and now he knows that now that we're both adults he knows how to he basically knows what i do as yeah. well yeah um because uh, so sometimes my parents would leave us like alone and I like they'd be like take care of your brother I'm just like he's just a year younger yeah like, just follow just follow just follow yeah <laughs> uh, my brother and I are 12 years apart so there is quite a big uh, age gap difference mm-hmm. but I always was so super salty over the fact that he was coddled and mm-hmm. and treated so much differently than I was and oh, I'm yeah. the same as Jen when I was eight, nine years old, I was already, I had to wash dishes. I had to get up early on Saturday and clean the house. Mm-hmm. I um, was taught how to um, do laundry, and I was always uh, asked to iron. I had a chore list. I had to do all kinds of stuff around the house, and he never was expected to do any of it. Mm-hmm. And she would say, he's the baby. And I'm oh. like, who, who cares? <laughs> but I also firmly believe that she treated us differently, and she she doesn't... Um, she she doesn't see it and she she firmly denies it but i think it uh, i think personally that it is because he is a boy it is mm-hmm. <coughs> it is they do treat they when i say they i say latino parents treat the boys differently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get their food brought up to them i mean i uh, my mom's no longer with us but um <coughs> i see it with my nephew's grandmother mm. um she still brings her 35 year old son his dinner to where he's sitting. Wow. Yes. And he yeah. still lives at home and she does laundry for him and she cooks for him and and, yeah. and even though he says, You made this again? She's like, Do you want me to make you a sandwich? What? Oh. No, honey, no. Oh no. No. When I have to cook at home, like I'm like in there and then I just uh, I just felt uh, food's ready, serve yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Because like, I'm not you, serving you. You're lucky food's ready. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're lucky I remembered because sometimes I forget to eat. Yeah. yeah. But my mother, um, my mother actually was not, she would clean and do all that stuff, but she was not the stereotypical, um, like, housewife, I guess. She had a full-time job always, I remember. Mm-hmm. And um, I always remember, too, that my stepfather was the cook. He's the one that would come home because he had a job that he got home first. So I always remember him being the one who cooked. So I really appreciate that my brother was able to see that. And he's an awesome cook now, and he's the one who cooks. And I, I, it's because that's what he saw growing up. That's so awesome. So I, I really appreciate that my stepfather, um, he and he would clean, and he never, you know, gave any uh, thought about doing his, um, his duty of, of like half of the work and stuff like that and so i think that that um really gave my brother something to emulate in his adulthood too that's awesome that's cool and uh life advice uh ladies and some gentlemen uh (laughs) don't go out with a man who doesn't know how to cook because (laughs) that is very very telling like even if all he can cook is like a fucking waffle or something yeah like it's like at least it's like homemade or something not something that they popped out of a freezer (laughs) that's not that lego ego (laughs) 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 like it's not uh i don't think that's a person that because i'm gonna let me tell you you're gonna get frustrated one of these days you're gonna get very very frustrated 
that they they don't know how to cook. Yeah. And I know for some people it's just like, oh, they never learned and stuff like that, or like they're very bad at it. And I've seen some people who are very very bad at it, <laughs> <laughs> like IRL and worst cooks in America. Yes, <laughs> but even they were be they were able to be taught. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But like, and it's just like it, that shows an unwillingness, especially if a person is like a thirty year old man or yeah. something like that like i mean what mm. were you doing before i met you how did you feed yourself how did you feed yourself like <laughs> jesus like i know like i i like i love takeout yeah. like I, lo- I love ordering pizza and stuff like that but sometimes i really i want something that no one else is going to be able to make yeah home cooked meals always and there's there's no substitution for it uh mm. i hate cooking uh just in my situation that i'm in now because my kitchen is so small mm-hmm. if i had the time and the unlimited um, space in the kitchen, I wouldn't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I don't like is the going shopping. So even the, today, <laughs> I, it's a team effort. Today, Eddie's like, I'll make you, um, I'll make a deal. I will go buy the stuff if you make it. I'm like, done. I As long as I don't have to leave and put on pants. <laughs> you see, that's a compromise. Yeah. Like, that's, that's still, like, like, you're still like, oh, like, I, I, like I'll do it and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but, like, some people, like, they're, like, adamant, like, no. Yeah. No one, I know this because one of my old friends was going out with a guy, and um, she she was the only one who knew how to cook, and some days she would just come exhausted oh, yeah. from work, and then she'd be, like, and then she'd be, like, oh, like, let's order takeout. And she's, like, no, aren't you going to cook something? And mm-hmm. she was, like, I'm just, like, girl, you got to drop that boy. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. it called? <laughs> it's the second shift that women have to yeah. put in. After they go a full time, a full mm-hmm. day's work, they have to come and do their second shift at home, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the kids, while the mm-hmm. father sits and watches the baseball game. <laughs> yes, exactly. Your girl ain't about that. <laughs> no, not about that laugh. So, um, what do we give this book? I loved Molly. I read Finding Molly, the very first issue, when it was first out, because Emmett sent um, a whole bunch of number ones from a lot of their titles to... Um, to Heidi Ho and so I read all of them and actually Finding Molly was my favorite out of all of them Um, most of them I enjoyed Um, some of them I had a little uh, trouble understanding like following the storyline in just one issue but Finding Molly I actually sought out Emmett at Comic Con last year and bought um, the the next couple of issues that they had published like I said now they're just doing um, graphic novels and um, um, Finding Molly is available. Um, all I think six issues are in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I read it, I loved it. Reading it all now, I love it even more. And um, I totally give it three conchas. Definitely, same here. Three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Like it, <laughs> I love this book. It was really, really good. I agree with Jen. It's three conchas for me and a cup of champurrado because I. I had all these feelings reading this. And, yeah. Uh, it just brought back a lot of memories, having my mom around and mm-hmm. stuff. And as, like in my 20s, too. That's that's actually kind of the the same kind of relationship we had, the, the same one with Molly, just without the artist and the degree and, uh, <laughs> the, cat <laughs> and the cat. But um, otherwise, I mean, it was just like all these little points that they really resonated with me. So I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend uh, Finding Molly, um, but just Emmett Comics in general. Um, it's uh, a great thing to support um, small independent comic book publishing companies. Um, I 
don't think that uh, any of Emmett Emmett's books are available on Diamond. So if you want to uh, buy any of Emmett's books, um, you're most likely um, going to be most successful going to their website. Absolutely. Or mm-hmm. your local comic book store. They might carry that or they might be able to order it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might be. Uh, local comic book shops could order it directly from uh, Emmett. But um, because they're not available through Diamond, which is the big uh a distribution company for comics. It's just that one little extra step that that shop has to take. So for sure, go to your local comic book shop and see if they um, keep them. We do have some copies at Heidi Ho, um, but if they don't, then uh, yeah, go ahead and just go to their website. And um, there is a. We'll share this on our our um, social media. There is the cutest shirt that's available on the Emmett Comics website that is um, from the Finding Molly uh, an adventure in cat sitting book that is Molly on the cover with her Frida Kahlo hair and it just says catitude uh, <laughs> and there's a little kitty that she's holding and like her flowers and stuff in the background and it it's um it's, it's Jen St. Orange's um, uh, art and it's so cute um, I love it I want it <laughs> definitely so yeah, uh, I really uh, strongly suggest you pursue to find this book. If you have a teen or a preteen, I highly recommend this. And if you could read it a- along with them, I think I think it would open a whole new relationship with them. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. And the website for Emmett Comics is just EmmettComics.com. And Emmett is E-M-E-T-Comics.com. Excellent. So on to Juntos y Fuertes. Uh, for me right now, we are going to be attending the Latin Comics Expo. Yay! <laughs> and it is set to be November 11th through the 12th, which is a Saturday and a Sunday, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, they have a Facebook page uh, set up for, like, people who are interested in the event. Uh, not a lot has been, um, uh, has been released. Uh, but we will be there. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. We're going to have a table, and um, we'll be talking about our podcast, and who knows what other cool, fun stuff we might have. Oh, yeah, we um, might even have merch. Yes, yeah, so to- I'm totally about trying to get some swag on there. So, guys, <laughs> um, uh, oh, and I'm hoping to accept credit cards, so don't. Don't fret if you don't have enough cash. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really, we're really excited about this. Hopefully, um, we can have more information in upcoming episodes. So mm-hmm. stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. And to those, tying back to Kristen's earlier chisme, going to San Diego Comic-Con, if you find yourself uh, with some free time, there's going to be a Chicano Con down over there in San Diego as well. It's going to be from July 21st to the 23rd, so coinciding with mm-hmm. uh, San Diego Comic Con. And they are going to be having Lalo Alcaraz there. Awesome. If you're brown, double down. <laughs> <laughs> we met Lalo at the East LA Comic Con. Yes. And he had those amazing pins yes. that Kristen was able to get for us. But um, their events are going to be at Border and Brewing, uh, which is, I believe, a pub. Or like a brewing company that's right there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the address is 2181 Logan Avenue, San Diego, California, 92113. 
And the trolley runs um, to uh, the Logan stop. Um, I don't know how far it would be from the trolley line, but for sure it's worth it for you to check out uh, the trolley schedule and where it is um, with relation to where this is because public transportation is super, um, super easy in um, during Comic-Con. Absolutely. Um, I loved it. Um, it's very spacious. It's clean. It's mm-hmm. very nice. I loved it. And yeah. It's, kind of fun it sort of seems like the metro rail at disneyland (laughs) (laughs) did they say if there's any cost for that latino con uh no they didn't i believe it might be free entry because it's just border and brewing so like yeah it's like it's it's a pub like you can enter for free yeah like if you want food and stuff like that you're gonna have to pay for that so mm-hmm. speaking of Lalo, have you guys seen the small little um, video uh, that is um, what do you call it? The preview for the new movie Coco. Yeah, no, I it's have. amazing. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, um, maybe we can put a... I don't know if I've maybe shared it on uh, Comodacy Comics Facebook, but it is a. Um, it's a full-length movie. Uh, I don't think it's Disney. Is it Pixar? Or maybe it's not any Coco of those. Coco is Disney Pixar. It is Disney Pixar. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, it uh, it's all about um, this little girl who... Uh, it's kind of the storyline, just what you get from the, um, the preview, is that she, uh, she is, like, seeing ghosts or something but there's a big like dia de los muertos uh, theme coco yeah oh i thought it was a little girl (laughs) (laughs) i'm not entirely sure a sexually (laughs) ambiguous child (laughs) a child we will put up the video and you can decide for yourself yeah let Uh, us know what you think i could be remembering wrong but anyway the colors are so vibrant and so cool and so awesome and lalo has been um uh, somebody that they've been in talks with, and he's um, what do you call it when he when a voice actor? Uh, no, oh. when they kind of go to you as a as a consultant. Consultant. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Consultant. He is a consultant on this movie specifically um, so that they get the Latino culture right. Oh my god, I love it. So yes. Good. Um, I mean. I think maybe he might be a, a, a writer too, a little bit in the storyline. Um, but he's very heavily associated with this movie, and it's so so cool. Now, just a little information and a little like scandal. So, The Book of Life. Uh, oh which yes, is uh-huh. my my favorite movie. Like it's so good. Um, was actually they had uh, the creators themselves had pitched that uh, idea to um. Uh, Pixar, uh, Disney, but they turned them down because they had already been working on, on something Coco? similar, and which was Coco, and so they just, they said they told them no. So the people from the Book of Life decided, well, we're gonna m- put it out before you do. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> exactly. And now the creators of the Book of Life are Hispanics themselves. Yeah. Because the thing was that many people in Pixar weren't. Latino, and oh. that's why they, I think that's why they decided they, they hired Lalo okay, as so a consultant. The Mescla, the <laughs> the little uh, uh, I don't know if you follow Remescla on uh, yes. Facebook. Uh-huh. They put out a um, a little uh, what do you call it um, uh, story um, uh, that is titled 
Lalo Alcaraz hired to make sure Pixar doesn't fuck up Dia de los Muertos <laughs> Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, so he specifically hired um, to to make sure that the, the Latino culture and the characters and everything are um, are true to and, and not whitewashed and mm-hmm. um, not stereotyped either. Mm-hmm. So um, wow, that's a tall order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he's working on it and he's been posting a lot about it on his uh, Facebook and stuff like that. But um, it looks amazing. Oh yeah, it, it looks is. amazing. Disney Pixar, it's guaranteed to look great, and um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. excited about it. I'm, I'm also excited. excited about Ferdinand. Uh, <laughs> uh, because Ferdinand, the book, uh, Ferdinand the Bull, was one of my favorites as a kid. Oh, yeah. I loved yeah. it. So I'm looking forward to that one, too. But that's Spanish. Yeah. This is, is like it's true Latino uh, culture that um, Dia de los Muertos, uh, you know, is, it's is a big deal. Yeah. Almost everywhere, especially in Central America. I'm not exactly sure about South America. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a purely kind of Mexican thing, but it's trickled down as mm-hmm. well as trickled up north. Because mm-hmm. um, I know in Guatemala, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah it's, I not know a, it's not a thing in Nicaragua or Guatemala, uh, what the, uh, El Salvador. I think no, really? and definitely not in South America. Hmm. Okay. But like, uh, like Halloween has grown out into yeah. the world mm-hmm. th- th- I think that's what's happening with the other yeah, like, uh, okay. and, and it's also you know a lot of a, a lot of uh, movies have highlighted it like yes. the 007 movie mm-hmm. where the scene in Mexico City with you know like um, La yeah. Gigantona and like the face painting and everything mm-hmm. so it's 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 gotten a lot of wider audience as mm-hmm. of late so I think it's something that people do now for fun and I know some cultures have something similar I know a lot of Asian cultures have oh, yeah. oh, they yeah. have remembrance for like um, yeah. uh, for their elders and stuff like yeah, that exactly. and I know in I, I guess I think in India there's also something similar mm. as as well but yeah, I like I know in Guatemala it's a thing because my mom remembers it. She remembers Dia de los Muertos that her yeah. going to um uh, her going to what you call it um uh, to the graveyard mm-hmm. to remember her grandparents and her great grandparents and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I think all cultures I'm sure have something similar to uh, remember and honor their um, their past um, mm-hmm. relatives that have passed on. So um, I think. Actually, that's kind of an interesting idea to kind of hear about what other cultures do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Coco has a release date of November 22nd of this year, so definitely keep that on your radar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we're not on, on uh, my radar yet, but um, we're still on Juntos y Fuertes, and I have uh, something that I think um, is definitely worth talking about. And just uh, to kind of reiterate our Juntos y Fuertes um uh, little section is really just um, trying to highlight marginalized groups that are within the comic community that could really benefit from um, love and support. Mm-hmm. And one of those um, people is um, that I think could really use some love and support right now is Cena Grace. Uh, he is the creator and writer of Iceman. Um, Iceman is an X-Men um, Marvel character who um, has just recently garnered his own solo title. And uh, Cena is uh, writing uh, Iceman 
focusing heavily on um, the fact that he is a gay character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Cena himself is a member of the LGBT community, and um, he's getting some backlash um, right now um, due to the fact that uh, this this title is um, that that Bobby is not just a side character who happens to be gay, but that this is a uh, solo title character who is has in this pretty prominent um, limelight, and that um, he is um, what a lot of fanboys are saying is now he's turned gay, which is actually not even uh, true. That he uh, apparently Mike, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is the writer who wrote um, him originally, having him come out as gay. Mm-hmm. So he's been gay for a while, and even before Michael uh, Bendis wrote him, I'm sure he was gay. For <laughs> that, um, but right now there's been some um, some hate and some backlash. And Cena is an amazing uh, guy. He's, a great guy. He's so cool. And a little fun fact about Cena: he used to work at Heidi Ho when he was no younger. No way! Yeah. So he's a Heidi Ho Comics, um, a product of Heidi Ho Comics, and um, he is just an amazing writer. If you haven't read anything by Cena, I highly recommend um, a lot of his um, autobiographical stuff. Yeah. One just came out. Um, uh, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. It's gaining a whole bunch of um, acclaim. And then um, I also um, have uh, I have one of his books. I don't remember what it's called now, um, but I'll have to look it up and share it with you. But he also wrote um, Little Depressed Boy. Um, yeah. So um, if you haven't read anything by him, I highly recommend it. But I highly recommend you pick up Iceman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Marvel book, and so um, Marvel really looks at those numbers. Go to your comic book shop, um, put it on your pull list, um, pre-order, ask them about it, ask, recommend that they carry it. Um, again, the way that um, comic book orders work, we order books three months out, and right now I think issue. Th- three or four is out so right now they're soliciting for um issues like nine ten and eleven that are going to be coming out um three or four months from now so um we really want to see this book get to uh, a trade um and the way that cena is writing um this book is really coming from the heart and when he talks about uh writing iceman he really is saying that he really is carrying this as a heavy burden to him. He wants to make um, an impression in the comic book industry to write characters who are LGBTQ um, in a way that it's it's compelling and that it's true to life and that it, it is so um, awesomely written that it's not just seen as a um, as a pandering ploy. Mm-hmm. That it's actually seen as a um, as a as a really compelling story. And yeah. he and he's putting his heart and soul uh, into this. And I love what I've read so far. So mm-hmm. definitely give your support to Iceman and to Cena mm-hmm. and um, and share your love for it. Um, share it on your um, social media that you're reading. Just really get the word out there um, about Iceman and about what an awesome book it is. Yeah. And um, uh, the person who's making the covers for um, uh, Iceman, his name is Kevin Wada, and he is also a member of the LGBTQ community. Oh, okay. I know this because I love his artwork. I've been <laughs> following him for a while. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
Okay, so now we're on to On My Radar. And this is Kristen, and On My Radar this week is um, a book that came out actually a couple of weeks ago. It is by Alterna Comics, published by Alterna Comics, and it's called Trespasser. And number one has come out, and I believe number two will be out soon. Um, actually, no, I think maybe number two already came out. I don't think so. No? Okay, no. so maybe beca- it's coming out because that that is also on my radio. I think I, I might have seen that somewhere. But... Um, Trespasser is a four-part series that, number one, is the only one that's come out. The uh, writer is Justin Ryan, and the art is Christian Rossi, who happens to be Argentinian. Uh, So uh, not only is the artist Argentinian, but the, um, the main characters in the book are Latino. Uh, the main character is Hector Ramos and his daughter Maria, um, and it is um, pretty much following them uh, in this story that as you're kind of reading, um, you're following them where the first issue kind of only is around them in this small little house in the woods, and just through the storytelling of Hector, where he's talking to his daughter and then kind of just some uh, himself, you know, uh, talking about uh, some... Uh, talking about some stuff that has happened in the uh, recent past, you kind of get the idea that this is a post-apocalyptic story. And it's just he and his daughter who, uh, and it started out where it was him, his wife, and his daughter, but we don't know what happened to the wife yet in this first issue. Um, But uh, Alterna Comics is a um, creator-owned business where uh, creator-owned comics and graphic novels. They've been in existence since 2006. Um, and um, the cool thing about them is that they, um, a lot of people talk in the comic book industry about um, the price being so high of comic books because of the fancy shiny paper that it's now, that they're all um, printed on. But Alterna has gone back to newsprint. And so all wow. of their comics are printed on newsprint, and that allows them to have a $1.50 price point on their comics. That is excellent. Yes. So and, um, and along with a good story, I mean, this is a win-win for all of us. Yes, and it's actually kind of cool. I enjoyed reading. The newsprint was not distracting at all. The colors um, were so um, still so vibrant and eye-catching. Um, the art was really cool, so I really enjoyed it a lot. And... Um, the thing that um, I think is kind of uh, something that um, is cool is that you can get, well, for this particular series, you're going to get all four of them for just, uh, what is that, four, five bucks? No, six bucks. I, I can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> so six dollars for all four. That's, uh, that's pretty that's cheap. That's a bargain. Yeah. So um, I super recommend this story. Um, I won't uh, do a spoiler uh, of anything that happens uh, other than the fact that they are at the point where they're having to um, search for food. They can't just go to the grocery store. They're hunting. They're in the woods. They're hunting. And they're setting uh, traps. And one day um, they catch something in the trap that um, uh, is the uh, is the trespasser. So, um, <laughs> so I highly recommend that you pick up this book. Um, call, go to your. Th- these are available through um, Diamond, so your local comic shop does have access to them. If they're not 
Um, if they're not carrying them now, for sure they can carry them. So all you have to do is ask for it, pre-order it, add it to your pull list. Um, and there were inside the book um, lots of advertisements for other uh, titles that they have, and a lot of them look super cool. So we're actually, this is our first Alterna comic that we've um, ordered, and um, we're looking, we're going to um, actually order a lot more at Heidi Hill Comics because of the um, low price points, and um, we think that it's super uh, important nice. to, uh, it's super important to support small publishers, small publishing companies. Agreed, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. And so on my radar, it's actually twofold. Um, one is uh, Rick and Morty. Like, this is probably old news, but <laughs> Rick and Morty, new season three is going to be coming out July 31st. So people who are Rick and Morty fans, get <laughs> ready. It's going to be coming out soon, and I am so excited. <laughs> they released their first episode on April Fool's Day. Oh, which I, I remember like, hearing about that. Which was hilarious because when they just said, oh, we're streaming now, everybody thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. They're like, are they really doing that? Is that really what they're doing? And turns out it was. Like, we weren't even sure, like, that episode was part of, like, you know, the actual, like, episode one yeah. of the new season. We thought, like, maybe they just did something and it's just later, later they're going to be like, oh, no, that was fake. Yeah. So, like, it's not part of the canon. <laughs> so, uh, like, uh, like, because it's Adult Swim. Right, and yeah. And just... The style of Rick and Morty, it feels like something that they would pull, but it wasn't. And that was like they actually streamed the show and um, uh, the first episode, and then they finally released the trailer, and we finally have a release date that is like, because they said that they were gonna pull um, uh, do it last year, but it didn't happen. Oh, so it's been it's, it's been, been a while. It's then. been a while, oh, okay. and a lot of people have been anticipating yeah. it, especially with the way that um. Uh, with the way that season two ended, yeah, and we got a resolution to that too with the first episode, but we want, we want more. Rick and Morty is great. <laughs> now the second on um, part of my on my reader is a comic book that came out last week, this week. Uh, what was it? Cal Exit. Oh yeah. Cal Exit. So Cal it was last Exit, week, I believe. Yeah, I believe yeah it was. Uh, Cal Exit is a comic book that is being published by Black Man. Um, Black yeah, Mass, Black Mass. Black Mass Studios, who has really kind of made of a name for mm -hmm. themselves. They're like a, they're like a super like indie publisher, mm -hmm. and uh, but they did Black, which is yes. uh, which is super intense. Yeah, and really, really good. There's a trade out for that one mm -hmm. as well, and it's just um uh, talking dealing about um uh, the Black experience yeah. in uh, an increasingly more like blatantly racist mm -hmm. America, uh, and it's super like uh, the covers have been something else yeah they are they're very shocking mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah there's um there's regular covers and variant covers and the variant covers are very shocking yeah and um i know that even in some places some other comics bookstores have censored yeah uh, like censored uh, like they just bag and board them in yeah. like tape mm -hmm. over what was seen and stuff like that um but now they're doing cal exit which um as you can tell from the name <laughs> anybody who actually lives in california this is a reimagining of what would happen if the U.S. if California in specific broke away from yeah. a fascist U.S. and it is intense. It's so good. I read the first uh, episode and uh, episode first issue, and it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to expect um, when I saw the book and I saw the title. I was thinking that it might be like some kind of like farce type thing, but it was yeah. actually so so good. It was really good. Um. Uh, so a little bit of history about it. It was actually first um, uh, p 
pitched uh, shortly, like, oh, and one month after Trump was um, uh, elected. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's when it was pitched, and they were... Wow, what a fast turnaround. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's uh, that's when they did it, uh, but then they said that when they were writing it and they were doing all this stuff, as things were happening, they were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> uh, they like, a lot of what they thought, like, man, nah, this, this wouldn't, like, really actually happen has kind of happened. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it is just, like, it deals with, like, what happens when, like, like the worst possible happens. Like, everything that we, like, people have, like, theorized is what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, the California and I believe some other states break away from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, Kristen had a perfect description of it. It's like uh, we stand on guard, but with the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And to those who don't know, We Stand on Guard is a great comic written by Brian K. Vaughn. And it is about um, uh, uh, the U.S. invading Canada for their water. Yeah. So wow, they, that's they kind powerful. Of, yeah, they kind of take these, like, realistic, like, holy shit, this is something that could happen, mm-hmm. and, like, flesh it out, and it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm just in awe about that. Um, <laughs> you know what? And you th- talking about it like like you are like uh, something that could really happen, and then flushing it out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- it just came to mind one of uh, Gene Roddenberry's um, quotes that George Takei said in his in the panel that I heard, uh, where he said that Gene Roddenberry had said that science fiction can be a new source of how to uh, present things that can ultimately happen in the real world uh-huh. mm-hmm. so I thought that I don't know it just was a flashback to that I'm sorry it just yeah. got all <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> um, sorry well I'm very much a proponent of science fiction is a mirror of yeah of a reality definitely mm-hmm. and it's just it's a new way of like putting out there like kind of introducing the idea of something like this could happen yeah it's exactly like it's a, it's a thing like fiction and writing and uh, that all exists like it's it's all there like it all comes from the imagination yes but all imagination is a reflection of reality yeah mm-hmm. I mean 1984 one uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brave New World mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale I mean they're all um, Fahrenheit 451 yeah they're, they're all sci- science fiction but they're all based on things that could actually happen yeah mm-hmm. like there was there was the idea was there and now they're just putting it they're fleshing it out more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes i i highly recommend it uh issue number one sold out uh almost immediately Mm -hmm. um i think they're gonna go to a second printing um but we um actually no we ordered more yeah. I'm, I'm lying. We ordered more. We um, ordered more, but I think I did see a second printing already. Listed. Oh, okay. So we ordered more right, I guess, before it sold out. So we hopefully we get them. If not, mm-hmm. the second printing will be coming. But, yeah, it's uh, Black Mass has um, a winner with this for sure. Um, it was really good. I highly recommend it. So um, I was just saying about the um, selling out or whatever, um, that it is still available Um to to order so um, if you had got a chance to pick it up then go to your local comic book shop and I think like Jen said a second printing if one the first printing has sold out is coming so that means that the shop can go ahead and um, order those and have them uh, available when they uh, are when they come out (laughs) 
cool. Yeah, and definitely. And I love the cover. Yeah, the, the cover's cover cool. Uh, the one that I really liked, the one was, like, the cover was the flag of California. Yeah. And it changed, like, the what it says, like, the Republic of California. Mm-hmm. Like, it changed it. And the bear, the, like, to those who live in California, the bear is iconic. That flag yeah. is iconic. And the, the bear has a black bandana over its mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, it looks like, like a vigilante. Yeah. Bear. Vigilante bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to see, though, where it goes. Yeah. Because, Definitely. I mean, the political climate right now in um, America as a whole, of course, you guys all know what's going on. And regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, um, you know that there's a lot of unrest. And um, just the fact that California um, in and of itself is such a huge um, economy and that could um, sustain itself if it did uh, separate from the rest of the union, um, I think is such an amazing idea for a story. Mm-hmm. So amazing. And, it, I yeah. mean, whether or not you think it's doable or a silly idea or whatever, to flesh it out in a comic, um, I think, is just it's really a great idea. And mm-hmm. so um, I highly recommend it. The yeah. first issue, if it was any uh, indication of the way that the rest of the comic is going to go, um, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Excellent. Very innovative. Nice. Well, on my radar, this is Sarah, is another George, uh, George A. Romero, uh, who was the father oh. of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. That was a, yeah. a film that was released in 1968. Uh, he died July 16th, uh, 2017. Um, at 77 years old, um, he, like I said, he died peacefully in his sleep after a long battle with lung cancer. Oh, I didn't oh. realize he had cancer. Yeah, so, um, you know, he brought us, uh, I mean, uh, who does not know who George A. Romero is? And, and like, I did not know who he was <laughs> until I met Eddie. <laughs> really? Yeah. I I didn't watch any of the zombie movies, and Eddie introduced me to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, it was, he's like, this is my favorite movie. He, George Romero is awesome. Um, he's like the, the king of horror. Watch this film. And so that's how I was. So if it wasn't for Eddie, I still wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I actually didn't even know who he was until high school. Really? Um, uh, and that's really when, like, The Walking Dead started blowing up mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when I myself really started getting into, like, horrors, the horror genre and stuff like that. And I was watching, like, a lot of, like, the old classic horror movies and stuff like that. And then someone said, watch Night, Night of the Living Dead, George Romero. Mm-hmm. And that's how, like, he's the father of the zombie genre. Yeah. Like, it mm-hmm. took me quite some time to get into it because it's in black and white. I know. I'm like, it's black and white, guys. Um, and I think that that's what makes it kind of like... I don't know. It made it creepier for me because yeah. you don't really see the blood or anything. Yeah. It's just it's all black and white. It's mm-hmm. like all up to interpretation. Um, he did thing. He directed Creep Show, which if yeah, one of my favorites as Mine well. Mine too. Uh, Creep Show too. He just uh, was a writer in it. Um, the Monkey Shines. I think that's oh, that. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and that he directed and wrote. Um, Tales of the Dark Side. He was a writer. Um, The Silence of the Lambs, he was an actor in it. He was an FBI agent in Memphis. So he did a lot of different things. I don't remember that. I do too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he he had a a really wonderful career. And like we all refer to him as the father of of the zombie genre, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the master of horror. 
so um, he will be missed. Uh, and he, I think he lived a long life, 77 years old. I think that's a, that's a nice that's a nice chunk of life. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's what's on my radar, guys. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that having seen Night of the Living Dead made me, appre- I mean, you can appreciate um, the movie without having uh, seen it, but um, the, uh, the whole, they're coming to get you, Barbara, <laughs> <laughs> always comes to mind, but um, what's the, uh, what's the, like the, spin- not the spinoff, but like the first movie of, um, of uh, Night of the Living Dead, where it, it's set in Britain, and uh, it's the two guys are trying, all they're trying to do is get to the bar to drink. Yes. Oh, gosh. What was it Why can't they think of what Shaun it's called? The yes, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Yes. <laughs> I'm, like, totally brain farting everything today. I can't speak. But um, Shaun of the Dead is, like, so many of Night of the Living Dead and all the other zombie uh, films that he did. There's so many little pieces in there that, uh, having watched that first, I totally got. And I was so, like, it made me appreciate Shaun of the Dead so much more. Exactly. And, you know, everybody does kind of their own homage to yeah. the, that movie. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's always nice to know when you can identify it in a movie. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Um, God, thank you for your contribution to this earth because we really enjoy those zombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. Um, so, uh, do we have any shout-outs, guys? Any dirty limericks? <laughs> <laughs> there once was a girl from Nantucket. <laughs> um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. Or follow us on Twitter at Comic Comadres. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, and you can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com, and we do read our email. Um, also, wanted to let you guys know that the Quince uh, Fanbase Press event will be uh, coming soon, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, we will be promoting that, and hopefully you come by, swing by, and say hello to us. That would be really great. And soon to come, we will be uh, raffling off prizes on social media, so stay tuned for that. Um, so that, I guess, that brings us to the end yep. of this episode. We yep. have been your hosts. I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks, guys. Bye. Ciao.